before the Lord. Huh? Thank you, worship team, for that. Well, good morning. My name is Josh Locke, one of the elders here, and I have the privilege of starting our summer series. Uh, this is really going to take us through all of summer, um, and we're going to be studying the book of Colossians. And, um, you know, I was chuckling to myself just thinking about this because we've had like three weeks of solid action, right? We've had kids camp dancers and cool stages, and now I'm like coming up here, and I'm like, all right, enough of that. Enough of the crazy and wild. Let's, you know, let's buckle down. Um, but that, that's not my heart. My heart is that you would all join with us in, in studying Colossians and really just feeling the richness of God's Word and, and experiencing that for what God has for you uh, as we go through this. And so we'll be taking this through the whole summer. There's six weeks, and there's two, two weeks where we're doing other things. So it's, it's really now through the end of August, right? Summer in New England is so short. Um, so we're, we're going to be you know, doing this all summer long. And at the end of this, I'll invite you to read through Colossians with us. I'll, I'll give you a reading plan and, and would invite you to join us as we go through. So uh, I'm excited that we can, we can be doing this together. Uh, we're, we're talking today about Colossians 1, 1 through 14. Uh, and that's the first portion of scriptures that, that we'll be looking at. But before we do, I just thought it would be important to kind of talk about why we're doing a book study. You know, if you've been to Shiloh for any, any length of time, you know that we don't typically do book studies. We typically are doing uh, topical type of, of messages where we'll take a topic, we'll bring the word in, and we'll talk through that. Sometimes we'll do one-off, sometimes it's like holidays, that type of thing. Uh, but this, is, this isn't something we do all that often. And, and I, I just want to share some reasons why I think there's, there's a lot of benefit. So why, why do we study a book of the Bible? Why do we go, go through this? I think there are three reasons why. So the first is, has to do with this picture right here. So uh, this is a picture of my kids' storybook Bible, and I was reading this story to them recently, and this is what God brought to mind as I'm thinking about Colossians and, and preparing. And it's the pillar of the fire and the cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt, right? So they've left Egypt, they're in the desert, they're walking, and they're, they're headed to the Red Sea, and this is what's guiding them. And I just felt like God was saying, that's what the Word of God is. The Word of God is meant to be this guide for us, that as we walk, we can fall, we can look to know where we need to go. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't make sense, sometimes we don't know where it goes, but we can trust that God will get us where we need to go as we follow and as, as we study the Word. And so, three, reason, three, three verses that come to mind. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But the Word of God is God's words. God's words. Uh, I, I love the, the model Jesus gives us when he's tempted and, and when Satan's tempting him in the desert and Jesus says, no, that's not what God's word says this, right? And we, we shared that before. God, your word says. Hebrews 4.12, the word of the Lord is living and active. Right? God's word is alive. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Right? God's word stands forever. Kathy last week had the illustration of the man who built his house on the rock. Right? And she had the, this little cutout house on a rock, and then she used some magic and made the little house that sat on the stand, sand just disappear into the sand. And everyone was captivated by that. Uh, but the word is that rock that we can stand on. So, 
First, the first reason why we're studying the Word of God, because it's from God, it's alive, and it lasts forever. The second reason why we study this is just practical. You know, reading and studying the Word, I believe that this is where God speaks to His people. I think He speaks to us in a lot of ways through His Word. And in my life, I've seen that true, and a lot of people I've walked with have experienced that as well, that God speaks to us. So here are two examples from my life. Uh, this is back in college, so this is, I think, 15 or 16, no, this is high school, so 15 or 16 years ago. Um, I've said before that I peaked in high school, and I've gone downhill since, so this is like Josh in his prime, and I'm just preparing for college and trying to say, where am I going to school? And I, I have two schools, and I'm praying, uh, and I'm, I'm really like seeking the Lord. I'm on my face, and I'm like, God, where do you want me to go? And I'm just looking for an answer. Where, where should I go? And two different schools, two different places, and uh, I just... I never heard anything. <laughs> I never heard a direction of where I should go. Like, you should go here or there. Never felt that. Um, this is the only thing that, that I feel like God was speaking to me during this time. It's Proverbs sixteen nine: A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord will direct his steps. And I just felt like God was saying, I will get you where you need to go, and you need to start just stepping out and doing this in faith. So I did. All right, the second... Matthew 25, 14 to 30. This is the parable of the talents. So a few years ago, my wife was pregnant with their third, Michael. And uh, William and Andrew, I, I don't remember the age, probably like four and two or something like that. Those are my three kids. And uh, Emily was just really tired. And pregnancy does that to you. I've never been pregnant, but I've seen my wife walk through it three times. And it's, it's a lot of work. And it was one of those seasons where we're just kind of like getting by. Right? We have kids. We've never raised two kids before. We have you know, my wife who's pregnant and just dealing through that. And we just had a situation come up where people that we knew needed someone to, to take their child. It was a really tricky situation, and they needed someone to, to step in and, and just have that child for an indefinite period of time. Um, and he, he was younger than, than our two boys. And, and uh, you know, Emily and I talk, we pray, we, we seek counsel, and she's like all in. She's all in. She's, she has such a big heart that's compassionate and loving. She was all in already at the beginning. Um, and not that I'm heartless, but I was like, okay, let's hold on, let's hold on. And, and I just didn't know. Um, and I was really not sure if this is what we should be doing because I knew, I knew what it would cost. And I'm flying home from a business trip. I'm flying from Salt Lake City. I'm taking a red eye home, and I'm doing my Bible reading plan. And I'm probably behind, if I'm being honest with you, probably a week or two or whatever it is. I'm behind. And this is the part that, that I'm reading sitting on the plane. And I'm just captive, captive audience. I'm just stuck on a you know, plane, not wanting to talk to the people next to me and just, just reading. And so um, I'm reading this. And if you know this parable, the, Jesus is talking and he, he has three people. The, the master gives three people money. He gives one person five one person, two or three, and one person, one. And he leaves and he comes back later. And the person who had five turned it into ten. The person who had two turned it into four. And the person who had one just buried it and it was still one. And obviously the people who turned it into something they were happy with and the people who, the person who didn't, they were mad. And I just read that and I just feel like God speaks to me and says, Josh, I'm calling you to turn five into ten. Because to turn five into ten probably costs that person quite a bit of work, right? To double your money, I imagine, would be a lot of hard work. And I just felt like God was saying, I'm calling you to turn five into ten to do this. 
And so we went forward and we did it, and, you know, we're very thankful we did. Uh, But God was using his word to speak to me in that. And it's just in God's amazing ability to to match up when I was going to be reading and when what was happening in my life, he used his word to do that. And God will do that as we study his word. He'll speak to us through that. And that's, as as a body, that's what we want. We want us to experience God and know God's guidance and direction as we go through. And the last reason why we do this It's to build a biblical worldview. So a biblical worldview is the lens through which we view the world, and it's a lens that is centered on the Bible and on Christ. And so, you know, when Paul writes this letter, we'll get into the context in a little bit, but he's writing this letter to the Church of Colossus because they were facing some ideas that within their culture and within the time were basically trying to take away their hope in Christ. That's why this letter was written. We'll talk about this in a moment, but it's because the, there are these other philosophies that Paul says that are trying to take away from the truth that God has for them. And Paul just comes into this letter and he just says, here's the truth, here's the truth, here's the truth. And he is using truth, the Bible, spiritual pillars of, of Christ to build up this, this lens that they can look at and navigate through. And and as a body, we want us to have that ability to do that as well. When we face those cultural issues, when we face the challenges in your life, in your marriage, at work, with your kids, whatever it is, that you have a way to look at the issues and challenges that come up that's based in the Bible and that you can navigate through those things. And so that's Paul's model, and we want to do that as well and, and study that model as we go through. All right, so that's why we are going to be studying through, through a book of the Bible. We're talking about Colossians 1, 1 to 14 today. And some little, a little context on this book. So Paul is writing this uh, because there's a lot of false teaching that's happening. Paul doesn't really get into it. He doesn't focus on it pretty much at all. So there's a little bit debate about what it was. Instead, he just focuses on truth. He just focuses on what is true as he goes through and, and shares that. It, this was written about 60 to 61 AD. Paul's in prison uh, for his first stint in a Roman jail. And he writes this letter at the same time he writes Ephesians and Philemon. So he sends these letters out. And if I were to break this book up into two parts, the first half is all about truth. It's all about doctrine. It's all about biblical truth for the church to focus on. Paul's basically saying, hey, here's that pillar of fire. Here's that cloud that you can follow. He doesn't really spend any time talking about what they shouldn't be believing. He just focuses on what they should be believing and what they have believed before. And then the second half, Paul starts to challenge them in life. And you'll see how, as we go through it, how people are are to live how this works in your marriage, how this works with relationships, and, and so on. And so Paul really focuses on, on that as well in this. So let's read through Colossians, 2, or Colossians 1, 1 through 14. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossus who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. And we always pray for you and give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. 
You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This is the same good news that came to you. This, this good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth of God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful brother, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others the Holy Spirit has given you. And so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power, so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that it's alive. We thank you that it is forever. We thank you, God, that it's from you. So as we, as we study this today, would you speak to us and speak to our hearts what you want us to hear? Thank you that you do speak to us through your word, and we just welcome that now. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Let's go through Colossians 1, 1 through 2. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossus who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. So if you've read the New Testament, this sounds familiar. This is basically how Paul starts all of his letters, right? So it's the same greeting. The, the only thing I could kind of take from this was you know, th- there's some debate, a little bit debate about that the fact that maybe this letter wasn't necessarily written by Paul, it, may have, it was a little bit different in style. So maybe it was written by, most people think, Timothy. And so he's saying, hey, Timothy's there. But as you read the word, sometimes you read a portion and you're like, okay, that's it. And that's what we're going to do here. Let's move on. Colossians 1, 3 through 5. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have heard this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. All right, so Paul acknowledges who they are in Christ. And we see this familiar trio, faith, hope, and love. Right? And we've seen this in Corinthians as well that, that Paul wrote. And so when I'm reading this, hope really stood out to me. And you know, sometimes when you're reading a portion of Scripture, something's just going to stand out because of what's going on in your life. And so the, this past month, I've been to two funerals for family members, and I've been surrounded by a lot of people who don't have hope. And it's been really sad. Um, it's already sad, you know, saying goodbye, losing someone, but it's been really sad to just be around people who don't have hope. And I am This really stood out to me because I am so grateful that my hope is in Christ and that that is where my source has come from. And I'm just grateful that I I have that because when when you're in a funeral and someone says goodbye, 
that's kind of it, right? If they don't have hope, like they're, they're looking to themselves or to others, and that's, that's not enough, right? And I'm just so grateful that I have hope in Jesus. So this really stood out to me on a personal note as I'm reading through. And this is something that may happen to you. When you're reading, sometimes a verse will stand out to you because of what's going on in your life. And that's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you and God speaking to you through that. Verses 6 through 8. This same good news that came to you is going out over all the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. And you heard about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on, our, on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So Paul's reminding them of the gospel, of kind of the beginning. He brings it back to the basics for them. And that's what this first two chapters is about, the basics, the doctrine, the truth of Christ. And he, he goes back to share with them, here's how you first came to know Christ. That's Epaphras. Epaphras was the church leader, and that he really kind of spread Christianity to that region. And so Paul is saying, remember, remember what, where you came from. Remember how God worked in your heart and in your life. And these are those stakes in the ground. If you've ever heard that concept before, it's those moments, those, those things in your life that you can look back and say, I know God was with me. Oftentimes that's your testimony. Oftentimes that's when you've been baptized. And then oftentimes it's when you've seen God show up in big ways. Those are stakes in the ground where you can look back and say, God was there with me. And that's what Paul is doing. He's bringing it back to say, remember, remember Christ. So what stakes in the ground do we have? Right? If, if you feel like you don't have any, God can help create those for you with salvation, with baptism, with other things in your life. 9 through 12. And we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you'll be strengthened with this glorious power so that you'll have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So one of the things that I've done to help me understand what, what Paul's writing here is I read a commentary on, on this passage, and um, they're usually pretty dry, I'm just going to be frank with you, but it really helped me to understand what's going on. And sometimes if you're wanting to understand the word or maybe God is, is speaking to you and bringing you back to this passage, maybe having someone else's perspective on it can be helpful. So I read through this commentary, and, and they talked about how Paul, in these, these uh, four verses, is talking about a, a healthy spiritual life. And he gives four elements of a healthy spiritual life that they grow in knowledge. In verse 9. In verse 10, that they're bearing fruit, that they're producing fruit. In verse 11, that they're strengthened with power that comes from God. And then in verse 12, that they're joyfully thanking the Father. It just caused me to think, is my, my life spiritually healthy? And the last two verses, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
So Paul points us back to Christ and what Christ has done. And he just brings this truth. Right? Paul, Paul's writing this letter to remind them of truth, of, what's, of what they know. You know, growing up, I went to, uh, you know, I, I grew up for the most part Christian. Christian high school, I was part of Christian ministries in college and, you know, part of a church after that. And I, for a long time, I would hear people talk about doctrine. And it just, I just didn't like to hear about that. Because in my mind, all that doctrine did was divide and fight, make people fight. And, you know, if you have that connotation, I, I can understand that. But when Paul's talking about doctrine, he's really just talking about truth, about truth. And that's what Paul does, and, and we'll see in the next, this, the next couple of weeks, just truth about Christ and about who, who he is. And we can see he starts, he says, listen, you were in the kingdom of darkness, and you've been brought into the kingdom of life. That is truth. If you have Christ in your life, that's what God has done for you. So Paul, Paul does this in, in the, the rest of the letter as we go through. So some takeaways. Things that stood out to me. This was a really helpful exercise. As I read through, I wrote down a couple things that stood out to me. And this is what I would encourage you to do as well. Hope. You know, this portion of Scripture wasn't like a super meaty one. It wasn't like, you know, this isn't the the bulk of of what the the book is is about. But, But even in just reading it and praying and asking God, this idea of hope really stood out to me. And how I'm just so grateful that I have hope. This, this book was written because there were people trying to, to erode the hope that the church had. And Paul is coming in to say, let's put our eyes on Jesus. Let's put our eyes on that pillar of fire, that cloud. That's the hope we have, the truth, the word of God. The stakes in the ground. What are the stakes in the ground that you have? Can you think back into your life and think, I saw God move in these areas? It's helpful to have those things. Not now if everything is good, but when everything is not good, to know, I know God was there with me. And if you're thinking, I don't have those things, it's okay to start that. It's okay to say, God, I want to have a stake in the ground. I want to have confidence in you. And God will honor that prayer and will walk you through that. And then healthy life, a healthy spiritual life. Is there growth? Are you bearing fruit? Are you strengthened from God? And are you joyfully giving thanks? I look at this list and some of them I'm like, okay, I'm doing these things okay. And some of them I'm not. Every year at Thanksgiving, Pastor Ed preaches on gratitude. Anyone remember that? Every year he does that? I see some nods. Every year he does. And every year I'm just convicted. I'm convicted by it in a good way because that's an area of growth that I need. I'm I'm not necessarily gracious in, in that way or content. Um, and so that, that's one of the things that stood out to me. Do I have a healthy spiritual life? So how do we apply this to our lives? So what can we do? I would invite all of you, our body here, I did this for first service as well, the people online, I would invite you to join with us this summer in reading through Colossians. Because we have seen the benefit, we can look at the benefit of what God's word will do, And I'm confident that as we study and and look at his word, he will speak to us. It will build a firm foundation that will not fail. And God's word is living and active. I just think if Paul were to write this letter now, his letter would be different to the church of Colossus or the church of Shiloh because he would write for those things that we're facing today. But God's word is still applicable and alive. 
That's amazing. That's amazing to me. So here's what you can do. It's at most six verses per day. And if you go to either one of those websites, shilohcommunity.church slash Colossians or shiloh.cc slash Colossians, uh, it'll pull up a PDF, and it's a day-by-day breakdown all through the summer of the verses that you can read and join with us. And so what you'll be doing is you'll actually be reading through the verses that we covered the, the previous Sunday and the verses that we'll be covering the next Sunday. So you kind of do it twice. Um, but six verses at most. Sometimes it's one. Sometimes it's two. It's, it's very manageable for us. I thought, so can, does anyone have this up now? They can tell me what's day one. Day one starts today. So we're going to get a check mark next to it and start our homework already. What's day one? What are the verses we're supposed to read? One through five. Thank you, Jason. All right, so here we go. I'm going to let you just read this to yourself, and then you're done. You already did it for today. Go ahead. Just look up at me once you finish, uh, and then I'll let we move on. I've had enough awkward eye contact. We can move on. So, Shiloh, I encourage you to, to join with us in studying the Word of God and, and reading it. I'm, I'm passionate that we would be a church that studies the Word and that we can do this together. We can do this together, and we know that God's Word is eternal, that it lasts forever. Right? We know that He'll speak to us through that. So I would invite all of you to do that with us this summer. Thank you for joining us today. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your word and for all that it is. We, we just give you praise, and we, we thank you that as we read, you will speak to us, that your truth will come out, and that what is going on in our life, you, you have an answer for, and somehow you're able to make it and, and speak to us through your word. So we just welcome that now. And for everyone here who is really needing to hear from you, that they're really needing to hear that you're with them. Maybe it's for the hope. Maybe it's for just growth, whatever it is. I pray that as they open the word and start to read, that it would be abundantly clear that you are speaking to them, that you love and care about them. And so for the body here, for our body at Shiloh, we just pray for a great summer, a wonderful week. Uh, and that you would be with us. Thank you for being here, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.